Hi, A. What's up? Are your babies fast asleep? Uh, one of them is still screaming, but presumably he'll fall asleep at some point. But the door is closed. Door is closed. Lights are off. <laughs> <laughs> he'll get himself there. Um, well, we're here with um, our esteemed guest, My Fitness Feelings. Hi, Fitz. How's it going? Thank you for having me. Yeah, special guest in the house, Fitness Feelings. Um, you were actually, uh, this is kind of crazy, but you were actually our first guest that we ever had on the pod. So I didn't realize that. I didn't realize yeah. he came on before Pool House. Oh, yeah. 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 So welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah. Thank After you. Thank you. Probably over a year now. Um, if you guys have, let's do our quick plugs at the top. If you haven't listened to Fitness's first uh, episode, I force everyone to listen to it when they tell me I'm crazy for not believing in the moon landing. Uh, he really breaks it down. That's way back, but scroll back for that. And then we are Thoughts and Prayers on Substack. We now have how many bonus episodes? Three? Uh, three or four, yeah. Yeah. Thank you to the, how many do we have now? 13, 14 paid. Yeah. Something like that. Thank you to the paywall subscribers and also the dozens of other, others of you who are still getting our free, free content. <laughs> um, but yeah, welcome back Fitz. It's exciting. It's exciting to see you. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Um, I saw that you recently uh, announced a new uh, Substack. Is that correct? Fitz? Yes, I've been trying trying to make a greater effort to write some like longer form stuff. Unfortunately, I've had this very aggravating back injury. It's partly from the gym and partly just from I don't know sitting too much or something uh, that has. Yeah, it made it very difficult to spend the time over the past couple of weeks that I've kind of wanted to spend on it. But I've got some pretty good stuff in the works. So, you know, excited yes. to see where that goes. Right on. Check it check it out, everyone. I was just explaining to Fitz what uh, Dime Square was before <laughs> we started playing. Yeah. I, oh, man. I felt, like life had, I felt like my life had really reached a, a very sad point that I... I had all the info on it. I was like, you've wow. tried to explain it to me a few times at this point, and I'm still not sure I really understand what it is. It's just, either, it's but... just a stretch of bars. I was saying that maybe when Fitz visits New York, I'll, I'll take him. I'll take him there. We can explore the scene, discover yeah, some Dime Square, Zionists in the in the wild. Yeah, maybe we can, maybe we can hook Fitz up with some dimes because that's also what it's supposed to be famous for. Yeah, dimes or like kind of if there's any like Chinese people, you know, um, <laughs> whatever the scene is, they're Zionists. Uh, I don't know what you would call. I almost said socialite. That's not quite right. I don't know what we would call the the gentrifying crew uh, out there. Whatever we, whatever they are, aspiring yeah. socialites, aspiring maybe. socialites, perhaps. Yeah, and then uh, I guess. Yeah, some chill Chinese um, landlords or whatever. Uh, it seems nice. I 
was saying, I've seen clandestino. I mean, I, I see all, I follow a few people that live in New York and I, I always see them tweeting about things, you know, I'm so out of the loop. I never know what it is. I noticed that recently with, there's clearly something with like Portugal, like Lisbon. Okay. Everyone like went to Portugal or something. And I, I assume yeah. like a million things about it. I have no idea what that is or why. I mean, I know there's a lot of Portugal is like Lisbon in particular is famous for it's like having tons of expats and being really friendly to expats. And like, I think it's really annoying how many expats there are there. So I knew that, but I didn't know why they're all in Lisbon. But I think they're are. all just I think they're all just friends because I follow a bunch of those people too that I I went to one party, the salty pickles party this summer, famous for uh a hole ending up in the roof by like hour one. Um and I, it seems like a lot of them were there. <laughs> that was that was the uh that was the impression I got. So I don't know what they were doing though. Yeah. Could have been an op, could have been it could have been <laughs> who knows politically organizing. <laughs> Um, weren't Dasha and Bap just in Portugal? They were in Spain. They were in Madrid. Oh, Spain. Okay. Yeah. I mean, allegedly. I mean, who knows? You know? <laughs> in the yeah, I can't keep track. I can't keep track of all of it. I just kind of like, you know. Yeah. Half the time when one of these things is occurring that I don't understand, I assume it's some kind of like weird, some kind of e-girl thing that I just have no interest in, or that it's like a cryptocurrency thing that I have no Oh well, it's almost inevitably it's like one or both of those things. <laughs> it's both, to be honest. We had we had nobody clothing his the clothing company guy on, and, and he was explaining to us the whole crypto scene uh, downtown. I don't fully understand it, but yeah, it's populated with those sorts of people. I find it funny that there's there's a, there's now could be a term like Zionist socialites. Like you use the word socialites with like, I'm like, that's a strange new phenomenon. Uh, but I will, I will say uh, about Zionism right at the top here um, that it has gotten it. I don't know if it's like this where you guys are. I know we're all in different cities, but in New York, it's gotten really fucking weird. Like the level of like, shit tons of people are losing their jobs and like all like everyone I know has had like dramatic like workplace email like shut like shut down on the conversation things wow. going on and it's like you're not allowed to talk about it at work and everyone's really stressed about it and it's it's very I don't know it's the it's a very chilling atmosphere it's like not to be anti-semitic but you know, the Jews really <laughs> like when they, when they want something shut down, they will. Yeah. We, we got an email like that at my job and they were like, you know, we, you know, stand with Israel and like, you know, if you need a day to process the, you know, emotions, like, you know, you can do that. And then also this dude, normal Norman Finkelstein has been, back in the you know kind of like the twitter sphere it seems like and he, he there's a piece of chicago history there where um he back in like um uh like the the 2007 or something like that was at depaul university like a professor and he was um denied tenure because of his stance on the uh 
Israel-Palestine conflict, as well as sort of um, some light Holocaust denial as well. Um, I mean, he, he is Jewish for the record, uh, but yeah. Oh, so, Palestine. Yeah. Um, you can't... <laughs> like, who, who would have guessed? Yeah. You um, can't, what's weird is that you can't even say like really like innocuous things, like seemingly even saying something like, I don't know, Israel maybe shouldn't like indiscriminately be bombing Gaza is like, that's like, that's like a step too far, you know? Um, but it's really proving Zog to me. <laughs> it's really, it's really proving something that I once thought was an anti-Semitic dog whistle is like real. So. I'm yeah. Like... <laughs> it's a shame. It is all too real. I mean, it not only does it sound good, it's very fun to say Zog, but yeah. it's also just completely true, you know? It is, it is true. It's fun and to it, add other words. And to it's like true. Anything. It's good, I think, because it's like, it's on both sides. Like, cons- like you know, conservatives are really intense about Israel too, right? It's not just, you know, I mean, I, you know, where I am in, in Austin, it hasn't been quite, we don't really have that many Jewish people here. So it's not, in like in Texas, there's just, it's not New York. So it, I think it's a little, a little bit less, but I mean, like evangelicals and stuff are really intense about Israel and they get really, they will get really upset if you, like, you know, my family, so some members of my family will get really, any criticism of Israel is like a criticism of Judaism, you know, uh, <laughs> there, yeah, it's a strange thing. It's a very smart, um, it's a very, it's a very smart PR move. Um, a, a teacher just got fired in New York for saying in her, well, I mean, honestly, like kind of deserved because it was a pre-K class, but apparently she said something like from the mountain to the sea, uh, Palestine, oh, would be free. <laughs> which I don't know how that would come up in a pre-K class, but <laughs> I don't, they probably don't even understand that. Right. They just understand like tree, mountain, like ocean. I mean, they I don't, don't understand a whole lot. No. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess somehow that some kid was able to repeat something along those lines, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been weird. And I, I've been weirded out seeing the like massive uh, outpouring of like pro Israel stuff from, I guess what I would loosely call our side of Twitter. I didn't think it would be so one. Yeah. Like the right wingers primarily. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see such a, which like, I just, I, I was like, guys, I thought we were all skeptical <laughs> of, of Zionism. I thought we were doing that thing, but I, I was just shocked with like the massive amount of uh, pro-Israel stuff that's just been flooding my my timeline. Weirdly, this is like the one issue where like libs and leftists get to have be like the little dissident for a bit where they're like pro-Palestine or whatever. I, I will say, though, the, the right has learned from them in the sense of, like, the cancel culture stuff. And I, it, I do see some people uh, experiencing glee at there being, like, lib cancellations. Like, the whole thing that happened at Harvard where they put up the billboard of all the pro-Palestinian kids, and they're like, none of you are going to get to work at Goldman Sachs ever. <laughs> like, you know? And I, mean, I was it is like, kind of funny, but... It is kind of funny, but I was like, no, 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 guys. Like, I thought I thought we were like, I thought we were doing free speech absolutism. I thought we were like, we're doing it all the way, right? Or no. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, 
Because I'm like, if if we want to say what we want to say and not lose our jobs, they should be able to say what they want to say and not lose their jobs. <laughs> but I guess not. Yeah, it's a noble sentiment, I think. Um, one that perhaps is not embodied by... Well, I don't know who... You, I, it's hard to know. I mean, a lot of the COVID people have been the worst, I think, about Israel. Like, I unfollowed quite a few people that were really good, like, COVID skeptic accounts because they just, you know, were going all in on the, you know, the babies and, I mean, all the stuff that, I mean, okay, maybe it's true, but there's just no evidence. I mean, you know, you live in San Diego. Like, how do you, can you confirm that there's been hundreds of babies have been beheaded and cannibalized or whatever by terrorists? Um, But they just totally accepted it. It's really remarkable to see. Yeah, I've seen the posters all over to New York, the like op posters that people are ripping down. And my friend the other day saw two people fighting outside of the YMCA because someone was ripping down posters and someone was filming them. And it's like, why? why? Like, what the fuck is going on? And why are we putting these posters up? I've never, I haven't seen a poster. Honestly, it's makes me really glad I don't live in New York because I, mostly this has been like an internet thing for me. Like I've literally not had a single, if, if I, if it wasn't for the internet, I would have no idea that I had a few like conversations where people have brought up something about Israel, but it's amazing. You've actually seen the posters and like conflicts about them. I didn't see the conflict. My friend did, but I did. I was out with my boyfriend this weekend and I was in Midtown and he was like, oh no, a, a protest is coming. Let's leave. And I was like, well, it's going to be fine. And it was like 20 people just blocking this one street screaming Palestine. And then they just like walked away. Like that was it. It, like, it lasted like five minutes. And I was like, huh. There wasn't even any like cameras. Yeah, just, that seems really masturbatory. Like, it was just yeah. very weird. They were like from the river to the sea, Palestine, and we like wa- I, we like watched it for like five minutes, and then it was like over. I know the idea of protests to me now are just so funny. Like the people take it so seriously, and they're like out there like chanting, giving it their all. They made their like special signs and everything, but it's like they really be- they must believe on some level that there's like some somehow like if they chant hard enough and good enough or whatever that like they like might be able to like solve israel palestine yeah or they yeah i don't think i don't know they have to be delusional to believe that i mean i had fun i had so much fun the day of the trump trial so like i do have fun sometimes (laughs) going into like those scenes but the protests around this have just been like sad and like annoying like not like like the trump thing had like a what, how do you say that thing in French? Like a joy de, de vivre? Joy, I can't even, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, had, it had like a joyful, it had like a joyful sort of atmosphere. There were, People were having fun. Yeah, like a little bit mischievous or something. It was a little mischievous, yeah. Especially on the, because they divided the right, the, the Trump side and I guess, I guess the right and left side. So like the left side seemed like really like, depressing like they were just like screaming blm which i didn't really know what that had to do with trump but the trump side was really fun people were really nice and uh i mean they were like they seemed like incredibly insane like i'm not saying they seemed like well people like mentally but they were they were nice to they were funny to talk to (laughs) that's all you can really ask for in a a situation i mean (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, anyway, we're here to talk about DEI, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And without being too doxy, I'm going to try to tell you guys about my experience. And I can't your, wait to hear about this. And it's get your reaction. So yeah. So I had to go to a six and a half hour DEI training in person. Um, I've been to many of these in my career and I, I want to just full disclosure, like this, my, my whole thesis, I want to like kind of weave for you guys and get your opinion on this is like, I feel like I was part of the cohort of people that were actually like actively meant to inject DEI into our country particularly our like education system because like when I went to school there was like this deliberate constant messaging that like the most important thing to talk about in schools was racism basically and the model of racism where all white people are guilty of internal of internal bias you know um and I guess when I had my like little red pill moment during COVID, I think what happened, you know, was what, what the, the thing that made me crazy was that parents were finally seeing what their kids were being taught in school. I think some, I think in some cases for the first time and they were realizing like, Oh, like all the teachers and this isn't, this isn't broadly true across the country, but like where I work, like, you know, all the teachers are just all day talking about internalized uh, bias and like freaking, you know, like telling the kids they're like evil for being white and stuff. Uh, essentially, like, I mean, it's like pretty explicit. I'm going to read some of the stuff that I have. But um, yeah, and like, then the left was like, well, critical race theory is not happening in schools. But I was like, no, like, I was like, that is so, I couldn't believe that that was a claim they were even making because like, I feel like I was trained under critical race theory and told that it should be rolled out into education. And that was the entire goal. So I, I thought it was like a really pussy move for them to not like, def- I, I was expecting them to defend it. Like this is, the, this model is actually like the correct model and we are going to keep teaching it. But instead they tried to do this like, well, it's not happening, but if it is happening, it's a good thing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Classic. That's what they always do. Like, even with the, you know, like, uh, what is a woman? Like, the trans thing, you know, when that Supreme Court justice, I forget her name, was asked that. And she was just like, I don't know. I'm not a biologist or whatever. She just pivoted. You know, it's like, okay, but if you, you know, if you really think that, you can be a woman just by identifying as that, then just say that, you know, but it's always like they, they know that these positions are, I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't fully understand what the psychology yeah. is. There. No, I think, I think they know their position. I think they do know what their positions are, but they're scared to say it, which is telling mm-hmm. they're scared to actually literally say it. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's funny in that example, uh, that she kind of implicitly conceded that there is a biological dimension to it, you know, with, <laughs> while trying to avoid it. Um, which I'd never thought about that before. I think they do have to do a kind of... 
that's a really interesting thing. I don't, I really don't, I don't have kids. Fortunately, I'm not exposed to the public education system or the private education system anymore at all. It doesn't seem good. And it is, it is cowardly. I think that they won't defend it. Although it seems to be working in a lot of ways, what they're doing, like this kind of like two step of, you know, well, we're not really doing it. Okay. Maybe we are doing it a little bit or, or, you know, whatever, but it, it seems to work because it gives when I whenever I encounter people who are basically kind of like normies about it, they basically think it's all overblown and exaggerated. It's not really happening, or maybe it's happening a little bit in like the wor- most liberal part of San Francisco or something, and like that's it. You know, they don't really seem to they don't see it as what maybe it is, which is like this giant centralized institutional push to basically roll out a new model of like race relations and impose it on, you know, young children, which is, it kind of seems like to me, that's what it is. No, it's absolutely what it is. And the Ivy league and it came out of like the Ivy league schools, like, and it was really explicit and it was all these like, people who gained who were once quote-unquote outsiders i mean it's kind of like the judith butler example you know like she started as like i don't know is is she is she she i'm not even sure but whatever like she started as like she started as like she started as like a, a, a you know a dissident and then she you know of course acquired like immense institutional power and that's what happened on the race side of things too the same thing that happened on the gender side of things so these theorists that believe critical race theory is the correct interpretation of like, you know, race, race, really race in this, in this country gained like massive political power. And then they just, um, and many of these people like, you know, I'm trying so hard not to be doxy, but like, like I had professors in college who like went on to be like MSNBC and like CNN, like pundits and stuff like that. So it's like they, they, some of these people like ended up like joining even scarier. Like it's like they left the Ivy league to go become part of like the media class where they were obviously their intention was to continue to push um, this narrative. So, I mean, basically the, the training and all these trainings are very similar But, like, it's, like, you know, they start with this, like, premise of, like, like, literally, I'm not even kidding, like, minute five, they lectured, they specifically said, I want to address all the white men in the room. (laughs) Which there's not many at my job. Um, You didn't even get the gay pass? Well, they brought up, they, they did both of the, both of the lecturers were gay men except for one except for one used they them pronouns (laughs) but like like readably they were gay like anyone any any sensible person would read them as gay men you know um and because like people know what i mean i guess not anymore but generally people know what a gay man is when they encounter one um and you know they the basic and it was interesting because the person saying this was white it was the white gay man of the two. And he was like, in a lot of the meetings, you know, uh, that happen here, I know that like the white men are the most vocal and like they take over the meetings. Um, uh, and we don't want that to happen here, but we also want to make it clear that silence is violence. And they said that <laughs> right at the top. So it's like, 
you're immediately in a double bind, right? Because it's like, <laughs> don't take over the meeting, but also like, if you don't say anything, you're implicated in, you know, like violence, which is, which is like an insane, complete redefinition of the word violence that now there's like this idea that like words themselves are, are violent, you know, like I find that to be like an insane, um, yeah, I find that to be insane. I even find, I even find it to be insane in like other aspects of things. Like the idea that like getting an unsolicited dick pic is violence. I'm like, we can say that something is like inappropriate without calling it violence. (laughs) Do do you know what I mean? Like this whole, this whole redefinition of like this word. Anyway, so that's literally like, like what you're saying is, is basically so if you if you speak if you're a white man and you speak at a meeting that you're at you're taking you're dominating the conversation so therefore you should be remaining silent to leave room for like POC trans whatever right and then but also then if you don't talk if you do remain silent then you're committing violence by not like forcefully advocating for your trans POC brethren. Yeah. And and the goal of these trainings is always to get people to cry. And they always um they always do. Like someone always does. Wow. Um and and it's it's strange because I know these DEI, I know people who've worked in some of these organizations and they do go into corporate offices, they go into schools they go into nonprofits and like the goal is absolutely to like get an, a visceral um, emotional reaction. So I guess I'll just read a few of the like slides that I thought were most interesting. Um, they define race this way, a hierarchical classification system of human beings invented by Europeans <laughs> who would come to be categorized as white. This hierarchy uses whiteness as the model of human worth for the purpose of establishing and maintaining social, economic, and political power. The system draws on physical characteristics such as skin color, hair texture, and bone structure to reinforce the idea that race is biological. However, there is no scientific basis for race (laughs) in, in bold. So already the definition of race is like super weird to me. Yeah, we need and, to unpack that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and and they were uh, like the idea that race was invented by Europeans. Like I thought that was so funny because I'm like, you mean to tell me that like all these wars and stuff, like you know, like ancient Egypt and like all these just tribal stuff, like all this stuff that we like, you know know happened from like written records like these people didn't have a conception of race until europeans made it in the 1700s or something like that doesn't make any sense right i mean doesn't that seem on its face to be false it's it's preposterous yeah i mean they what they do they do a kind of the the argument is that like the concept of race in certain specific dimensions like emerged out of like nationalism and blah 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 in the you know europe basically in european modernity but i think what that misses yeah is that like call it what you want people have clearly clearly have and have always had like essentially ethnic in-group sentiments and and also sentiments against various out groups just clear that we've always had that and people have understood themselves in that way you know i mean it's just straightforwardly obvious it's also 
pretty overwhelmingly, I mean, it's basically irrefutable that, you know, genetic traits are not, um, are not distributed with, with perfect equity amongst every population group, right? So you can, I mean, you can argue about what all that stuff means, but I mean, there's just not a lot of like black people who, um, are really great at like our Olympic swimmers or something, you know, I mean, if there was, there just, I mean, and by contrast, there's certain fields that they dominate. Right. It's just very, I mean, yeah. well, and there's like, and there's like literal, like, like, like I know that like, if you go to Nepal, like a bunch of the people in Nepal, a huge majority have this like special, gene that makes it easier for them to like breathe like less oxygen at like oh yeah yeah like high altitudes right for sure and like even just stuff like that like obvious like they they (laughs) there is something biological about that and and like again like the interpretation of what that means like you know it doesn't have to mean like there's a hierarchy and there's people at the top and there's people at the bottom but there certainly are differences so it's like it's just weird that we can't even acknowledge neutral differences like that. Like to me, like a gene that makes it easier for you to breathe at the top of a mountain is not, is like a new kind of a neutral. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Same thing. Yeah. With like sickle cell anemia or, I mean, frankly, like, socks with Jews, like every, every Jewish yeah. couple, you know, who are both Jewish Ashkenazi Jewish, they get tested before they yes. have babies, you know? Yeah. And another thing, I think this is a Steve Saylor. I was, I, maybe as the first person I saw making this point, but you know, they, in the example that you read, I mean, I think that this was actually in the material that you quoted, they bring up bone structure, <laughs> right? Hair texture. Well, what is that? If not a genetic difference, I mean, that is a difference. I mean, you might think it's a, you might can argue that it's not a difference that's meaningful, right? Although you can also argue that it is meaningful, right? Or that it represents something else, but that is literally a genetic difference. I mean, right it's literally a biological difference and you and you you can absolutely look at it and say but in the grand scheme of things it's 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 not meaningful or something but you can't say it's not a biological difference so and then the other funny thing is and the immediate next question was like well what groups like were considered white and what groups weren't and i thought we were going to get into some like i was like ready for some like of course i was wrong but i was ready for some like hoffman territory where they were going to be like oh like the irish you know used to not be white and the italians that was not where, where it was going it was like immediately like well europeans were white and everyone else wasn't which is like actually like not even like historically true like in census designation like (laughs) records you can see that there were plenty of european groups who were not uh considered white at various points in u.s history um and then they made this point of like saying that this the census like manipulated like added these new groups into whiteness because they wanted to make they wanted to maintain a white majority so they were like okay there's a bunch of irish people and they're having all these kids so they get to be white now so that we have a white majority which is obviously but that doesn't make sense because if you don't believe they're white then adding them wouldn't give you a white majority right and what doesn't make sense about it is that what what's more likely than this weird um you know nefarious plot is like 
that they saw <laughs> biological similarities between themselves and these other people, right? Like, and that's how they created this like out group in group as Fitz pointed out has been going on from like time immemorial, right? Like they just saw like, oh, we, we have this similarity. We have this like light skin or whatever. So you should have asked them what the racial hierarchy is. <laughs> Well, so then, okay, so then the next you slide rank I was every gonna... race according to the yeah, well, that would have been a thing. <laughs> um, so then the next, so then the next slide was said activism looks different depending on if you're white or if you're not. So here's what people of color are supposed to do, which is everyone who's not white, which we defined as everyone who has European ancestry, which coincidentally. We didn't get, we, there were some people in the room who were uh, Hispanic. Um, I'm not going to use the word Latino because I think it's a weird word, but there were like, there were some people in the room who were Hispanic who were like, well, like, it's kind of complicated, right? Like, I'm like, probably 70, 80% Spanish. Like, why, why am I, you know what I mean? Like, like, so it's like just European ancestry. It's, it's even more than that, right? Because it's like, I don't know, whatever. So here's what non-white people are supposed to do. Examine and heal your internalized slash injected oppression. The word injected, very vaccine-y. Explore the balance between stepping up and stepping back. Make space with racialized children for healing. (laughs) And freedom, and and the last one was very weird to me because I didn't know what it meant. Freedom dream about a world beyond oppression. Okay. That's like an action item. That's what they're supposed to do. And then this is what racialized as white people are supposed to do. Name and own your whiteness. Talk to white children about whiteness. Push for cultural change within institutions and examine your internalized white superiority and act on the ways you can give up the, the, the privileges or benefits in service of racial justice. Very different. Like action so, items yeah the, but I mean, it's, it is very different it's, they're both very therapeutic yeah but it's interesting because it's like the one thing that i found interesting about like the white side is like and this is something i've encountered with a lot of liberals like so a lot of and i'm sure a like you're you're a parent now and you're around like a lot of liberal parents but like a lot of oh, liberal parents do kind of believe like their children, I've heard this, literally the sentiment actually said, like their children do not deserve any better than any other child. So they don't think their kids should, you know, go to a better school. And like some of these people will put their kids into public schools and neighborhoods that aren't white on purpose. And they say that they say stuff like, well, we have all these privileges at home, so uh thankfully i haven't encountered any of that um but i I hear this a lot and it's it's this interesting thing that's that's kind of it goes against human nature because i can't think of anything like giving up your own privileges if we want to use that word and then also not not wanting the best for your children and your family and yourself seem to be really antithetical to any sort of natural instinct that humans might have. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. 
I've always thought with regards to the phenomena that you're describing, I mean, I see it very much as like a, as a self-sacrificing kind of instinct or something. Instinct is not quite the right word, but it's, it's, yeah, it's very sacrificial, but it's sort of directed back at oneself in a way. And what always struck me, I've wondered a lot, like, why do white people, I mean, it's, it's more white women, I think, but like, it, but some white men too, why do they go along with this DEI stuff? Like, what is it that appeals to them about, about this framework? Well, I think that now, if you're in, if you're in a particular part of the country, that um, what goes, what appeals to you about it is that this framework has now let's just for the sake of this thing I'm about to say um acknowledge and I think it's pretty easy to acknowledge that there was a a long period in this country where there was true white supremacy encoded in law right I, I think that we can say that that was true in at least a part of this country a, sig- a significant chunk of this country that was true we'll say the south was co- codified right it was just um, as true and it was as true in the north it was okay. true everywhere yeah it was true yeah this was a codified apartheid whatever divided s- system that was true okay so that's true but I think now white people go along with it because there's a new order and they're act- they actually are acting in their interest because they recognize that in order to gain any sort of power or to rise in their jobs or to have, you know, if they're academics, if they want to rise in their fields, they or if they're even if they're in corporate America, if they want to rise in their company, they recognize they have to hold these beliefs in order to, in order to rise. And they, and they're just smart enough to see the, cause I know plenty of like really intelligent people who say these things and seem and seemingly believe these things, but whether they believe them or not, they recognize that in order to get any sort of rise in social or economic status, they need to believe these things now. Yeah, well, I think there's no doubt about that, that you have to at least, you have to either believe them or you have to be able to appear to believe them credibly, basically. <laughs> I So I think that's absolutely true. What I was thinking about is, I mean, I think the thing I think is interesting is that, I mean, I think some people might believe it under the circumstances that you're describing just because it's basically easier to convince yourself of a lie than it is for a lot of people to be just kind of incredibly cynical and manipulative and pretend to believe it all the time when in fact they don't. I actually think a lot of people find that really difficult, although clearly some don't. I I think another aspect is that what, what always strikes me as strange about these DEI things, I mean, it is, how do I say this? So a core kind of like spiritual idea sort of, right, is like the way you you let go of things. So let's say we wanted to let go of racism, for example, right? Like the way you let go of things is just by not reacting to it. That to react to it in any way by push, trying to push it away or by clinging to it basically achieves the same thing. Like you become increasingly attached and sort of entangled with the object that you're interacting with, like whatever that is. Could be a feeling, could be another person, um, could be a structural system. But like these DEI things, they they 
they almost they they really work in a very non-reactive way like towards this concept of whiteness like in a lot of ways white people are kind of still at the center of it even in this di thing that you're describing right it's like white people are responsible basically for everything bad and there is something i think sort of flattering about that it's like white people are basically the cause of the modern conditions, which are then afflicting everyone with all of this psychological distress and inequality and you know, God knows what other harms they've attributed to it. And it's sort of like, well, if you're responsible for everything bad, you know, it kind of implies that you might also be the only people that could do anything good, right? Or that could... Um, well, that's that, that was a, actually a pushback in the meeting from someone who's not white. They were saying... I don't understand why the white people's action items is all this activism stuff and the people of color's action items are all this like healing stuff. Like people of color also are capable of act of action. And this person made a very good point that, you know, it almost implies that something like the civil rights movement was only possible you know, because um, of white people in some way, right? Like they had to like give up their privilege when like, he's like, I would much rather, I would much rather look at it as black people rose up in, in, in very effective ways and ultimately made their lower case status untenable. And I thought his point was really interesting <laughs> because the framing seems to imply exactly what you said, that, that people of color are incapable of uh, be having some agency in, you know, restructuring the system, which is clearly not true, especially now. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. I don't really know what I think about the civil rights movement and all, and all that stuff. And, and, you know, black people's agency and, and I don't understand that movement enough to know what happened there, like who was really responsible for the changes. But regardless, like if it, the perspective of this DEI movement should be, I feel the perspective that that guy was voicing. I mean, if that's the position that you're going to take, I mean, you almost have to take that. It's like, you know what I mean? It's, it would be crazy to suggest that, or it would just be very internally contradictory to suggest that, well, I, I, yeah, this, or, or just it just re, recreates similar dynamics, although in a kind of a different way. Um, but there's no doubt that it, it clearly there is some aspect of this that is like marketed at this sort of emotional masochism of the white liberal population that is nonetheless a little bit flattering. You know, it, it almost reminds me a little bit of like how you know, in those imagined, like, uh, if you imagine like a BDSM scenario, right? Like the person that is being abused is still somewhat like, almost has a somewhat greater degree of control than the person on the other side of it, right? Due to the fact that they kind of determine the limits or whatever. Um, and yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, that's some, I mean, the BDSM example is a great example because it does feel masochistic and it's very narcissistic because, you know, one thing that was suggested to us, and this is, this is happening at um, all sorts of places and again, all across corporate 
everything was that there should be affinity groups um, where there's white affinity group, black affinity group, Hispanic affinity group, Asian affinity group, and these different groups self-segregate and meet to talk about race together. Is there a so, white, so there's a white group? So, so, there, so there is a white group. So all the white people are supposed to go to a room somewhere and talk about race with no other um, black people present. And I'm like, well, if you think that white people, if, if your belief <laughs> is that white people have so much internalized white superiority that they want to subjugate you. Why would you ever suggest that they go into some like locked room that no one can see or hear and let them connive and this is crazy. Wait, I thought their whole contention was that race is a fake thing that doesn't even exist. So shouldn't, I mean, well, that became a big argument or not an argument. That became a big like, thing they wanted to talk about because they were like well it doesn't exist this is this is another this, like kind this of is thing. Just totally nonsensical but they, were, but they were like it doesn't exist and yet it has real meaningful world outcomes is what the is what the ultimate like takeaway was supposed to be so it well, doesn't does something exist. have a real meaningful world outcomes if it doesn't exist well i under, i mean i i understand what you're saying and like the whole point they keep trying to make over and over again is there's no biological differences between the races um which i i which is i mean it's it's so frustrating <laughs> but it's it's i do think that this idea that let's like white, black, Hispanic, and Asian, and there's just four races is stupid, <laughs> right? That's not true. I think well, there, it's the much- Arabs more, and the- Well, it, it's just much more complex, right? There's like a ton of like different ethnic yeah. groups and like it's it's just, there's hundreds, thousands probably of like small ethnic and like linguistic groups and blah, blah, blah. So it, the picture is certainly much more complicated than some weird- four-tiered system um i don't even know where i was going with that but it but it is it is real it exists i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah even if it's even if it's not real in the weird way that it's been broken down at this point in western culture yeah it is a very nonsensical system i mean i don't know how they would ever account for european dominance if there's no biological difference I mean, how did they even come to dominate everyone else? Well, I mean, there's the famous guns, germs, and steel. It's the the environment, right? But even that, like, so the United States has a great environment, right? You know, I mean, we are obviously very well situated over here. It's very hard to invade us. We have all kinds of natural resources. We have this huge area where you can, you know, grow food. And I mean, I realize Jared Diamond's thesis is much more specific with regards to these certain things that they didn't have over here or whatever. Um, But, you know, it does seem like these explanations that rely on that's like, oh, it's all just the environment. It's sort of, uh, I think maybe do too much, right? It's like, there's a But it also, I mean, it could also, it could also, sorry, let me let you finish. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's just like, it kind of just misses, like, I'm not saying that they can all be reduced to this, but it's like, is it not 
reasonable to suggest that maybe one X or Y groups have performed differently. Of course, there's the environment and there's just historical chance and God knows what other, you know, thousands of factors, you know, that might come into play, right? But one of those factors certainly has to be the quality of the people themselves, right? I mean, it's like- Well, I was, I mean, the the only pushback I was going to make is it doesn't even have to be quality. I mean, like it could, or quality is, uh, is a neutral word. I just meant like, you maybe- you know, it's like they don't want race to be real, but maybe you could, let's just, let's just like for the sake of like just a thought experiment, maybe you could say your European dominance is, uh, was the result of some sort of genetically, uh, genetic propensity for violence. Like, why not? Why not? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, let's say that Europeans were more likely to, uh, want to want to commit violence so it's like so it's like it doesn't even have to be a good thing it doesn't even have to be that they were like oh they were so smart and amazing i mean like you can make you know different argument all sorts of different arguments but you could you could even make a dip a negative argument that they just had this propensity and willingness um to do these quote you know these horrible acts or that's that's what a lot of like the Tariq Nasheed a lot of those black nationalists they do make that case that like Europeans are like all closeted homosexuals and like very conniving and like stole all of like the secrets from the black people and then like turned it against them and have created like this global homo whatever thing whatever so they 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 there are I mean, I don't think he would agree with the DEI framework necessarily, but yeah, there there are people that make those types of cases. So that I, so I think you're right. Yeah, and I think that that's. But it's also interesting too because other groups don't ever get. You know, for instance, I find it fascinating that you know J- Japanese people never get talked about as um, colonizers, even though they colonized most of. Asia (laughs) and were brutal, 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 brutal with the people they colonized and treated them terribly and, you know, enslaved them and raped them and just, you know, like, and it's like, it's like, so it's like other nationalities and races or whatever you want to call them certainly are capable of um, these types of actions. Um, Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, absolutely. Um, and it's and it's and it's like we're supposed to believe, you know, in this framework that, you know, like the whole thing that was happening in 2020, like black women will will lead us to freedom and blah blah blah. And it's like okay, but you you seem to be arguing that you seem to be arguing that black women are inherently good in some way or morally virtuous, um, which again you're making a, a race based argument. Like you're saying <laughs> you're saying they're something is special about them, right? Which is still a race-based argument. It's like people have to keep making race-based arguments to uphold all these, you know? Yeah. I mean, that what it shows you in some ways is that even the, is that these people, even these people who are allegedly at least, you know, committed at the, they're at the front lines of combating racism or whatever, they don't actually want to give up race. I mean, they actually, um, they don't want to. You know, clearly they love talking about it. 
<laughs> they say colorblindness is racist. They say all that stuff. And another thing I found I find interesting about it, and <laughs> Ann Coulter <laughs> talks about this a lot. <laughs> um, and I, I understand she's not like a great intellectual, but I think she's like I, I do like her, and I'd I'd love to like have drinks with her and smoke cigarettes with her. But like, um, apparently a smoker. Shout out, because um, that seems to be going away too. But. Um, she makes the point that, you know, she does think that African-Americans, the people who were act, not just any black person, but the, the population of people who were brought over here as slaves and continue to live here. She goes, they do have real um, grievances that should be addressed. But she says what's been nefarious is, and arguably they're doing what they allege white people have done they've expanded this definition into people of color to make a much larger contingent when she's like someone whose parents came over from China in 1976 don't have the same sort of grievances that this like historically marginalized, you know, group has. And so it's very weird that we decided, okay, they're all going to, you know, we're going to treat them all the same. They're all, they're all, they all need these special, whatever you know yeah it's 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 i mean it's interesting because like the whole thing is supposed to be about dismantling right like really in a sense dismantling western culture european culture basically right that's that's racist it's bad and yet what it's doing is it's yeah it's bringing people into this very weird model that i think is not really like your is not really what traditional European culture was, but neither is it their culture. You know, it's not really no. like this whole framework. It's not something that's respecting all the subtle differences that, for example, you know, um, between like all the different ethnic groups that make up like Central Asia or whatever, right? Of which I'm sure there are numerous cultural, linguistic, and genetic distinctions. Yeah. I mean, you make this argument a lot, A, that the project of just making the elite class um, not completely white seems to be like a really... Well, yeah, I mean, it's just... Shitty, uh, shitty project. I, I'm not sure what the goal is really or how... I mean, it, it, it none of it makes sense. But yeah, so there's that one angle where it's like, okay, we just need to get like one black person on the board of directors of every you know fortune 500 company or something and it's like okay so you can do that what does that do that just makes like 500 black people more rich or you know it doesn't end racism but then even looking at it from another angle of like <clears throat> i don't know like it's just in my where i live in this suburb it's sort of like a bougie you know not not crazy but like you know middle class upper middle class suburb of chicago and um but it is like somewhat like racially diverse like there is a black population and so of course like in the schools there is like a racial disparity you know in terms of uh outcomes grades and test scores and things and, you know, you can look and see, I'm sure there's a big um, economic disparity as well. But in any case, 
the school, you know, of course, they pour endless resources into trying to fix this and equal level the playing field and blah, blah, blah. And it, it just it, it, they they haven't been able to do it. And so what they do, what they've what they've done is instead just um, basically change the grading system to give like bonus points to black people. Like I'm not lying. Like I'm not lying. That that is what they. No, have done. that is. Like, I mean, it, that's absolutely. That's absolutely what it, what's happened, or or how it's illegal in California for schools to give black students IQ tests. And, and it and it doesn't make you don't you, see, you don't see what I'm saying. Like it doesn't solve the problem. It's not getting the the black kids to do better in school. It's just you know it's like manipulating the end marker right and then they and then the argument becomes well school in and and of itself is inherently racist like this came up in the in the whole conversation that day too it was like well that you know all these values are are white european values of like sitting still and listening and you know uh like that's just not how um all like races of kids learn and i was like i was like but we're making another <laughs> we're making another like race is real argument right there right like you're you're saying that like different race different groups of uh, people learn differently which is fine and, ma- and and maybe true and and that's that but it's like you're it's like you're still circling back to there's some truth to race in order to even make the argument that you're making. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, one of the things that I've seen that comes up in these things a lot, which I find hilarious, is that oftentimes that, you know, the the idea of expertise itself is called into question. That, like, to be too intellectual, to care too much about the opinions of experts or whatever, that's, like, white supremacy. And, I mean... First of all, in in a certain way, in a certain context, that's incredibly flattering to white people, right? But in in another context, it might not be. But it's one. I was just thinking, like when I see stuff like that, it's like, okay, this same group that's pushing this crap has been obsessing over that we have to listen to the experts and follow the science, and you know what, get on board with the what you know. If you're not if you're not following the experts, you're basically a terrorist and a Nazi and a whatever. So all of a sudden now that they've retroactively that's that's all white supremacy, right? And then second, is it not experts who are pushing this entire curriculum? I mean, in other words, who has made these decisions about racial justice if not? supposed experts in the field as you were you were alluding to earlier with the you know judith butler and god knows who else uh, other academics who push this stuff i mean it really just doesn't yeah it really just doesn't hold together and i think it's unfortunate because it's really i mean it's doing small groups of people are getting a lot out of this and i think if I had to guess, I think part of the reason why it's pushed and and why it can't just be, for example, about the historical grievances, you know, whatever your opinions are on that of like black people in America has to incorporate all these immigrants from other places. In my opinion, not to be too conspiratorial, but it's just basically a kind of, it's a strategy to push global government to just basically 
kind of demoralize and demolish the kind of white populations that have been the most resistant to that sort of thing and to just mix up all the populations around the world to sort of support basically a kind of single political entity, right? To weaken national governments and make international organizations and stuff more more powerful, which I think is clearly happening um, as a result of this. And I think you, what you've got is kind of an alliance in some sense between this PMC class who really benefits from all these types of programs, the immigrants themselves in one way, and then essentially these kind of globalist bankers, I mean, for back of a better term. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you import, I mean, this is what's going to happen in, you know, with Israel and, and Gaza right now is like, Essentially, I mean, I, I believe this is what the outcome is going to be. If I had to guess, there's going to be a mass, a massive influx of, um, you know, Palestinian refugees. They're not going to end up in Muslim countries. <laughs> They're going to end up in the in Europe, in the U.S. Um, and this is what happens time and time again, right? Like they, you know, they end up um, here, and then it's it, you're right. It creates this like. And like, I, you know, I even tried to push back a little bit in just a conversation recently with someone who really, really, really firmly, you know, believes kind of this DEI framework. And I was like, well, can't we, can't we say that it's different in, let's say, France than it is here? And she was like, well, how so? How is it different? And I was like, well, I mean, they're like, you know, for all intensive, intensive purposes, there's no American ethnicity, right? Um, we're, we're an ethnically diverse country and and there's not really uh but like in france there is like french people you know and so their pushback against this i think is different like i was trying to almost make the argument like i understand i was trying to even just get her to see that like uh, like they're trying to preserve their their culture which is very old and way older than American culture. You know what right. I mean? And like, and like, why is that so evil or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, like I, they want the French language to be spoken. They want their values of secularism, all these things that they believe as French people, like they just want that. And it's like, that's, I, I don't know. And it's like, she couldn't quite see what I was saying. Which was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. What what about it didn't make sense to her? So, you know, I mean, the argument. I, 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 it was like they always they always talk around it. It's like the argument instantly becomes like, well, France was a colonial power, so France is just getting what happens when you're a colonial power. Like, if you take over all these places, those people are also going to come to your country, and that's you know. And frame right. it as bigotry against, you know, Muslims or whatever, you know, they don't want, they don't want them wearing the burqa in school or whatever, you know. So. But it's like, it's like they're fundamentally, like they're fundamentally, like, like Muslims from the Middle East and French people are like completely different cultures. Yeah, it's like, of course, there's going to be like a massive culture clash if those two groups, which has happened, are forced together 
And they have completely different value systems and completely different beliefs. It's like, of course, there's a pushback. Like any, you know, and like, I I saw this joke on Twitter, which I thought was very funny. It was about the movie Crazy Rich Asians and how at the very beginning of the movie, there's a scene where the rich grandmother experiences uh, racism because she's Asian in London. And like the joke was like, oh, yes, this happens all the time. Perfectly assimilated, completely polite, wealthy immigrants are um treated (laughs) badly (laughs) in white countries and it's like no that's not true like perfectly assimilated uh people who like respect the values and like the customs of the country they go to i think everyone's like pretty much fine with that you know what i mean but that's not what's that's not what's like wanted you know yes yes some gesture at assimilation to the culture that you're you know groups have done it certainly like in the u.s like jews assimilated increasingly like chinese americans are assimilating it's like it's like it's not impossible to come here and assimilate into like the broader culture and i i don't think that there's like as i i do think generally people are kind of accepting of that i don't know i could be wrong but I, i i don't think that's who people have a problem with yeah i mean i think well, and in that case, it wasn't even clear that they were immigrants. I mean, they were staying in a luxury hotel. Like, they could just be <laughs> tourists from China. I mean, it would be it's directly, I mean, it's like directly against the profit motive or whatever of the hotel to turn this, like, obvious, opulently wealthy, like, obviously well-off group of like, Chinese people away. I mean, it's completely insane. But particularly in just such an obvious way. You know, you could just, well, I'm sorry, we don't have any we really don't have any rooms but you could try the whatever place i mean so no, yeah, they literally say you could, they literally say you could try chinatown and it's yeah, like it's, they're not <laughs> gonna say that it's something that has like never <laughs> happened like someone who speaks a, a, an obviously wealthy asian woman who speaks perfect english and a perfect high british accent walks into a luxury hotel i don't think that's ever in the history of time happened that she's been told your money's not good here, <laughs> whatever. No, you know? yeah, no. I mean, absolutely not. Um, I mean, it's certainly not. I mean, yeah. It's it's, but it's it's interesting because it's kind of like a, you know, it's weird that it's almost like a fantasy that people want to believe in. That I mean, I think the reality is we often talk about how, like, oh, you know, how, like. you know, these things don't address like racism, but the reality is I don't actually think in the United States, at least I can't comment on other places. I don't really think racism is a problem here. I I think there's racism against white people and there's maybe small, you know, there's maybe weird kind of lingering forms of it, you know, particularly amongst maybe people that are less well off, let's say, but there really is not, this is like the least racist society I think that has ever existed. Right. I mean, it's, that's, that's certainly true. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, even yes, taking into account the indigenous tribes and you can go take any civilization, basically anywhere in the world uh, compared to the United States. Now there has never been a more immigrant focused, racially open I mean, this is the best it's ever been, right? So if this is so horrible, you know, I mean, what are we even doing? <laughs> uh, I, I do think, yeah, like the demoralization aspect is definitely a thing. And especially like, 
if you see, I mean, I think most listeners of our podcast by this point probably understand that there is kind of this globalist push for control and subjugation of basically everyone besides the the little inner circle or whatever. But like, you can just see how it's like, it's just trying to convince white people to give up their shit, basically, you know, like make us feel so guilty about having, you know, whatever, some little crumbs of, you know, wealth or whatever that we're able to accumulate throughout our lifetime that even that we've only got because we're like evil and like it comes directly at the expense of like we're taking it out of the pockets of like poor black children or whatever you know yeah well yeah (laughs) and it's it sets up this weird idea that doesn't even seem really like true which is that like anyone who gains any level of wealth. And again, for the vast, vast, vast majority of white people, we're not talking about very much wealth at all, but it's like the, anyone who gains any, um, any, any sort of like economic security is inherently taking it from someone else, which is weird. That doesn't make sense. Really. I don't think that's how it actually works. You know? No. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, you know, wealth can clearly be created. I mean, there was, think about how much wealth there was 10,000 years ago. Now, how much wealth is there today, right? I mean, it's just obvious. Like there was, you know, there were no airplanes, microwaves, uh, I mean, computers, satellites. I mean, none of that existed, right? It's so, it's like, not like there was some other surplus that we white people stole all of that from and then we built this civilization with it like no there just wasn't anything right and people over time figured out how to build this stuff so yeah it's not a zero it's not zero sum i don't think at all uh, although it's presented no it's way. not zero sum and certainly there are people who hoard um resources like we've talked on here a lot about like how it's like terrifying how much like farmland bill gates has bought in the u.s and things like that um and you know there are people who do things like that and that's like and those are the scary people (laughs) those are those are the people we really are the people who are running all these scams on everyone else i mean yeah those are the people we should be talking those are the people we should be talking about um but somehow we don't talk about them ever and like we were and we replace it and then the other thing that i felt a lot like i guess like the last big takeaway from the day that i thought a lot about is like a lot of the people at my job are from like working class ish like white families right like that's like they grew up in new york they grew up in the outer boroughs they have like the kind of quintessential like tri-state area accent that like that group of people has because rich people in New York don't have that accent, you know? Um, And it's like weird to look at the, those people and kind of try to tell them like you have, or you have more privilege than like someone who's down the street, who's like a black like, I don't know, whatever the job is called, stockbroker at Goldman Sachs or something. Like, it's like the whole, like, like just making it all about race completely ignores all these other types of, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? That's, it's interesting, too, that they've kind of ditched class as a way. And, you know, I'm not trying to be like a, you know, leftist Marxist. here or whatever. Yeah, but like, to me, that setting aside any issues that that 
framework might have, it's still like objectively kind of makes more sense than the racial framework. Like you're saying, you could have a black stockbroker who's objectively in a much better position than a white, you know, plumber or something. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but I don't also I also don't want class. I mean, like I that yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. that was that's the story of the day, basically. That's kind of <laughs> what happened. So people did cry too. Two different people. Wow. <laughs> what made them cry? What was the <sighs> Well, Palestine came up. Um, I have some Palestinian coworkers. Um, a black woman talked about a microaggression that had happened against her by a Latino gay man <laughs> who had asked who had asked her if she was mad. What <laughs> she, she, she felt was a a microaggression, and the Latino gay man who's like, you know, an effete, like little twink guy, like started crying and I'm like, and felt so guilty. And I'm like, I'm like, don't, I, I like, I like said to him, I was like, don't feel guilty. You ask someone if they're mad, like your intention I mean, he was, probably was being a little bitch about it, but probably, but I was like, but I was like, your intention wasn't racist. Like maybe you were being a little bit, like maybe you were being a little bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. like maybe you were being a little bit like, whatever but your intention certainly wasn't like to be a racist toward this person and and like that was a big thing they kept saying too they were like intent is less important than impact whereas i was like i actually don't agree with that universally i mean i think that intent does matter like i was thinking of situations where I guess someone could say something that's like vaguely homophobic to me or or homophobic in some way and i'm like I'm obviously going to consider someone who's clearly not intending to be offensive completely different than someone who is directly to my face, like intending to be offensive, you know, like why wouldn't I think of those two things differently? It's ridiculous that I would, I would, I wouldn't take someone's intent into consideration in something like that. That's like the worst system for conflict management I can possibly, <laughs> literally, the only yeah. thing you can control really is your intent, right? I mean, you can't control the impact of what you do, particularly in a subjective psychological sense on other people, right? It's crazy. Like that, that is, it's like the pronouns thing to me. So many of these things are just, like introducing systems, which I disagree with, not only because I disagree with basically every underlying premise that they're pushing, <laughs> but even if I did agree with the premise, it's just simply unworkable. You can't have, there's no reason to have millions of different pronouns when we already have individual names. It just doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't <laughs> make sense. I mean, that it doesn't make sense to evaluate the impact of our statements based on how people feel about what you did to them and that's all that matters i mean that's just simply you can't run a society like that yeah and i mean like certainly how people feel about things you like say to them like do and can matter i mean i think it's nuanced right like certainly we've all said something or done something that was like unintentionally hurtful to someone but it's like because it's like this is the thing. It's like, it's not all or nothing, right? It's not like, it's not like you should never think about the impact of uh, the things you say and do. You certainly should, but it's like, it's, I don't know. It's just like, it's like these hard and fast rules are the things that I find 
So, um, but, but, but it's, yeah, but it's not just telling you, instructing you to be considerate of other people's feelings like that. Sure. That's good. But you don't have like a, you know, eight hour class on just like manner, you know, like how to walk in into a room and, you know, say, greet everyone and make eye contact and, you know, ask them about their, you know, it's like, well, I guess I was just making the point, like Fitz said, you can't control the impact. And I think like in some ways humans are like hardwired to attempt to control their impact in many different ways. And they learn that through this kind of like trial and error of just like growing up and like existing in the world. Yeah, so where they, experiencing how people react to things. Yeah, experiencing how people react to certain things. And like, I think all of us are like kind of, you know, so like whatever sociologists have like studied this, like people will like attempt to like smooth over like awkward moments and conversations, like even with people they don't know very well. Like, I think we are kind of like, like that's what living in a society is, right? Like we're all sort of, and that's what, that's what I find so like kind of disingenuous about this training is like, it seems to imply that that's not people's kind of natural state existing in a society the way that we do, but that is people's natural yeah, state. Most like people every... have an intuitive understanding of how, you know what I mean? And, and if you don't have an intuitive understanding of just how to socialize and like not be an asshole constantly taking some stupid training from, you know, two like faggy live, you know, white guys is not going to like, teach you and that is not going to fix it and you know that's my thing about the whole DEI thing I also think it like doesn't like I was a lot of people were talking about talking to their own children about these issues and I'm like and I'm and, and like that really freaks me out because I'm like it's kind of like not giving kids the chance to sort of like work things out amongst each other which I think is like kind of a crucial like like we've set up our culture and our society in a way that we sort of isolate children away from everyone else for like very yeah. good like for very good reasons right and it's like they should kind of exist in these like protected sort of you know bubbles where they're kind of able to like kind of like work shit out with each other and like of course like adults like provide guidance and like advice but like you know when you just like when you just like implant this like framework onto them at such a young age and be like well this is what it is you're kind of fucking with this like kind of like i think kind of natural thing that will sort of develop amongst them you know yeah which hmm. is depressing i think <laughs> Do you have it any is. more from your slides? Because I thought some of those were hilarious. You sent some. Um, let me well, see like the one about like things that like bad things white people do or whatever. And one of them was like literally just it said taking up physical space. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like you had to like. Oh, yeah. That was the joke you made. You have to self immolate. Um, like if you don't if you don't immediately just <laughs> kill yourself. I had to do this. I'll show this to you guys. I had to do a. Um, oh, a, your identity wheel. My identity, my identity circle. Um, <laughs> I was writing really funny things on it because I was like, I didn't I no one was going to look at it, but I, I hoped um, but I wrote like it asked me about my ability and health, and I wrote mentally ill with a smiley face, and then it asked me about my physical appearance and body image, and I put beautiful. 
I was just writing silly things, but we we also talked a lot about fat phobia, which I thought was which I thought was really funny because it was like one of the one of the guys presenting was fat and he was like, Well, I've experienced fat phobia, blah blah blah. And I was kind of like, but like people should be scared of being fat because it's really bad for you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's also that, it's also like a choice, sort of. I mean, I understand metabolism plays a role, but like you I mean, you know, yeah, it's like you don't have to be fat. It's like you can just eat like it's crazy to me. It's that's like not at all analogous to like. Yeah, I mean it's really that's really wild. I know, and I kept making the joke that's to my the one because they want, again bringing them back to the demoralization and globo homo agenda. Like they just want to promote everyone being like unhealthy and fat. Yeah, but being fat is certainly not an identity. And I and I hate that like we've also like we've also like made mental illness into like an identity. I'm like, that's that's so retarded. Like why why are all these people like so obsessed with their like mental illness diagnoses and things like that? Like that freaks me out. I don't know. It's just like yeah. I kept making jokes though that like I should say when when they get to my pronouns, I should say they them. Because then I would like be totally insulated, you know, from like, any fur- any further critique. <laughs> I mean, that's like I don't know. I, yeah, I think in these types of things, like you have to just do whatever you have to do. You know, like I, I would be totally mercenary about it. I think. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I certainly did not push back or like make any sort of scene or anything like that because it's like would be completely pointless and I would just like lose my job or like create so much ill will that like, you know, it wouldn't even be worth it to like go there anymore. But, and the other, Oh, the other, the other point I wanted to make, I know, I know we're kind of, we're kind of scrolling down on time, but I, something about the internalized racism is very interesting to me because it, it kind of is, it's kind of supposed to create this. So like, I've, I've had like so much therapy in my life. I've done it all. I've done like, you know, I've gone to like, psychics and psychiatrists and I did like a long time where I did Freudian analysis three times a week I've, I've done I've done like every sort of like wellness mental wellness thing you could like imagine I've been to like a, I've been to like crystal caves like I've done all the woo-woo shit I'm, I'm like admitting to it you can make fun of me for that if you want but it's it's just real I've done it and like one thing that like all these you know kind of like things try to get you to stop doing right are is like sort of um, compulsively obsessing about like stupid things in your head. Right. But I I thought a lot about how um, the whole internalized bias thing is actually sort of like creating kind of a compulsive element in people's heads. Cause it's like, it wants you to like get so focused and to ask things like, Oh, is my, you know, is my, um, am I doing something like internally racist right now? And it like actually asks you to like go against maybe some instincts that you might have. Like I remember like pre like any sort of red pill, there was, I was walking into my apartment complex and there was a black guy and he was like trying to get into my building. And like, he seemed like he was just like visiting someone there or whatever. Like it it did not, it did not seem like a suspicious situation at all. But I had like a momentary like pause of like, should I just like prop the door open and let him in? Or like, what should I do? And then like in my head, I was like, 
no, you should let him in. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I was like, you're being racist or something. Like, I I had the quick corrective they want to create in your head. But I'm like, but then I like thought about it later. And I'm like, it's not insane that I wouldn't let someone with a key into my building, like, no matter what race they are. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's not a bad instinct, you know? Yeah, no, not at all. It's not a bad instinct at all. I think, uh, yeah, to your point, a lot of what these seems like these th- these trainings and things do is weaponize therapeutic techniques to basically achieve the opposite of what therapy is supposed to, <laughs> to right? To create neuroses around like race and gender identity and like fat identity or God knows what else. <laughs> That's a much more articulate way of saying exactly what I was trying to say. It's like they're, they, they weaponize these sort of, yeah, like, and I was talking to my therapist today and I was telling him, I was like, you know, it's interesting because like, none of these people are like trained mental health professionals. And it's like, they're trying to create these like really intense emotional reactions of people in these spaces, which I think is, you know, speaking of impact, potentially bad. You can't, you know what I mean? Like if you go into a space thinking I am going to create a a, a situation so emotional, people will likely cry like, I think that's a, a you kind of have a, you kind of have bad intentions, in my opinion. You know? Yeah. Well, if you're aiming, I mean, it'd be one thing if it just happened. But yeah, if that's like your goal, right? It's like, come on. Yeah. Well, imagine I don't that know. that was your job. I don't know how these people, like, imagine, like, you're just going around to different places and, like, having these masturbatory conversations day in, day out. Well, I mean, it's thousands of people's jobs. Yeah. And there's so all these people gosh. and there's all these people making like the online trainings that you've done a lot, eh? Oh, like God, so many. Oh my God. We had like a week of diversity or whatever. And it was like panel, all these panels, like hours and hours of panels, conversations. Just to complete just I mean, I was gonna say it's a waste of time, but it's actually actively harmful. But I mean, it's just <laughs> wow like we're just paying people to i mean wow yeah i don't even know how to say it it's it's just crazy to me that there's i mean i don't know how big the industry is presumably it's millions of dollars at least uh oh yeah oh yeah it's for sure that i mean for these people to come for a day is thousands you know just to come and do this consulting work or whatever i mean i'm sure they don't get all that money i'm sure some of it goes to whatever organization they're part of but I don't know. I'm hoping the dial is turning. I mean, one thing that gave me hope is there was like a ton of like dead eyes in the room. Like there was a lot of people who were clearly like going to just sort of disassociate and get through it. (laughs) So, you know, there was like a, there was like a, there was like maybe like 10 to 15% like true believers. Then there was maybe like 30% to 40% of people like me who were going to like play the game enough to like, you know, simp for their boss. So their, their boss thinks they're doing a good job. And then there was like a a final, like 30% who were just totally dead eyed. Like, but let me ask you this. Were the, I bet those people were like older, right? Like Gen X. Yeah. They were mostly Gen Xers. A few of them took, uh, weed gummies before they went in. They told me (laughs) people in their forties and stuff, people in their forties and stuff like that. They were just kind of like, they clearly didn't give a fuck, especially people who like most of them of course have like 
12 year olds. So like their, their whole life, like they have like, you know, they have like real (laughs) things going on in their life. They don't, they don't have time to really like sit around and like, you know, like they're trying to like make money to like, maybe, maybe someday put their kid through college or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they're not, they don't give a shit about this. They're just like. In terms of a vibe shift though, then I think you need to look at is is like, what are the Zoomers? doing and uh well we're having a zoomer on next week if anyone yeah. makes it to this this far in the episode i'll reveal that it's it's blassy so we'll, we'll ask we'll ask classy fred blassy about <laughs> what the zoomers are up to if they're yeah, i don't think it's looking good but yeah we'll find out i don't know there's some i mean there's some like based zoomers on oh, twitter yeah. they're for sure they're the most they're the hardest i think of everyone i mean that's really yeah. i mean that's yeah man that's like <laughs> you know I mean, a lot of the, I mean, the backlash is kind of here and like people can like laugh at like, you know, like they're like, oh, like all the Catholic LARPers and they're not having sex and blah, blah, blah. But I think there is kind of a conservative streak in Zoomers that wasn't there in millennials that I kind of see. They're they're sort of like rebelling against the libertine values of the millennials. I hope so. so. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, you've got the, there's the whole Catholic thing and there's like, you know, the Hitler kind of resurgence. I mean, it's definitely, it's there. I mean, it's for sure there. I mean, I think it, it's just a lot of that stuff. It's, it's very, you know, very similar to the reason why like fascism and stuff happened to begin with. It's like just a reaction to these sort of like intensely sort of Bolshevik kind of scenarios, you know, I mean, imagine being a zoomer and just being inundated with this stuff like day in, day out. Like, I mean, it's, I feel like you could only either like check out, totally buy into it, or be like completely against it. I just feel like it'd be really hard to have like a moderate path. But I'd be interested to hear um, what they think. Well, we'll we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get a report next week. Um, all right, guys, should we call it? I think we, I think we did good. I think we made it to an hour and a half. I think that's good. Yeah. Any uh, right. well, closing thoughts? Yeah, what's your thank what's you your sub stack? Oh, it's a uh, reason and sanity. I think you can just find it on my Twitter. I think which is um, at at fitness feelings uh, with a Z. Nice. Yeah, very smart guy. Great writer. Recommended everyone. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for. I uh, made the joke earlier though that I was like, I don't know how many people make it to this point in the episode, <laughs> so we're doing, <laughs> we're doing all the plugs now. When you know, uh, <laughs> no, I have faith. I think everyone's going to listen to the end. Every single person. You have a lot of fans, so I, th- I think I think we'll get I think we'll get more we'll get more people to the end than usual. We gotta, all right, we well, got to get you back on and and have you drop another devastating red pill like the uh, like the moon landing at some point. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Good night, guys. All right. Bye, Peace. friends. See ya.